Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. El segundo del Arsenal Giroud. Marca Olivier Giroud. El 0-2 para el Arsenal. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog. Good morning to you. Good morning. And it is a good morning. It is a really good morning, is it not? It is. It's fantastic, yeah. Feels good. I just, uh, before we start, I, I want to play something. Mm. Um, this is from the very... It's not strip poker, is it? No. Okay. I am already naked, so there's no point. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, but this is from the end of last week's Arscast Extra. This is what this is how we went out. Hang on. Arscast mm-hmm. will be here on Friday. We'll be back next Monday to talk about the famous victory over Manchester City. Until then, have a good one. Can't wait. Bye bye. Can't wait, eh? I couldn't wait. It's been a long week waiting for it to come round. I was so certain. I I I I've had a feeling about this game and I said it on maybe the Arscast on Friday and uh, I mentioned it to a few people mm. um over the weekend I said I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to get something from this game we're going we could win and everything and we did and it was bloody excellent and about time and all those kind of things but um yeah where where do we start with this one because uh it's not normally we're we're having to deal with these games in a very different way yeah, that's it. It's normally the post-mortem, isn't it? Yeah, we're trying to trying to find explanations and reasons, and we're trying to calm ourselves down and assure ourselves that not everything is as bad as it appears to be. So maybe we should go at it from the angle of, of it's not as uh, good as everyone likes to think. Or No, that's the, that's playing it down. We'll always take the negative slide. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, well, I think the most astonishing thing about it is that Arsenal did what everyone has been telling them to do for so long and it worked amazing i I was interested because i saw um afterwards on sky and i think it was jeff shreves talking to arson wenger and he said you Mm. know what why is it all of a sudden that you've decided to play like this and and arson wenger was a bit like well you know it's not the first time that we've you know we've we've done this before but maybe you know just haven't done it as well but i think it was clear yesterday that there was an acceptance that if we went to manchester city and tried to play our football as we have done in previous games that we would get punished and what we did very effectively was to stop them playing their football or the way that they like to play by getting the ball into Silva and into Aguero we blocked off the channels and took advantage of that by hitting them on the break I thought we probably looked the more dangerous team from an attacking point of view as well yeah I think that's true I think the fact that we played more defensively um, has kind of obscured that we were very good going forward at times and offered a significant threat 
as much as they did, I mean, if our game had been a bit sharper, there were a few loose touches in the final third, I think we could have actually scored a couple more goals. Yeah. But there's a definite change. You know, if you look at... I went back and looked at the possession stats for that Liverpool game, the 5-1, earlier last year, and we actually had 57% of the ball on that day. We effectively were hit on the counter-attack time and time again because we went there so open. Then we go to the Etihad, have 30% or something, the lowest we've had you know, in more than a decade, and get the win. It's a definite change in, in tactical setup, whatever Arsene might uh, might try and say. Mm. So, look, the goals then. The first one, I don't know why people are saying it was a soft penalty or it wasn't a penalty at all. Yeah, I don't understand that at all. I mean, at first, actually, to be honest, when I first saw it, I couldn't quite see what happened. But on the replay, it's pretty clear that company just hangs his leg out, really, to stop Monreal's run. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've seen saw penalties given for us. We've seen saw penalties given against us. We've seen some ridiculous penalty decisions in the Premier League this season. But that, to me, was as close to Stonewall as, as you'll ever see. Now, I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't doubt that Monreal made the most of the contact. But mm. to suggest that there was no contact whatsoever um, is, is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I think there was clear intent from company. I think Monreal's entitled to go down in that position. You know, he was impeded. I wonder if it's because it wasn't... He didn't trip him with his foot. It was like with his thigh or his knee higher up. Is there something where people are sort of looking at the wrong part of his body? Is yeah. it just that Vincent Company's got a lot of a lot of chums in the media, should we say? But Well, that's true. And I, look, I know as a, as a centre-half that you, you often try and throw a hip in on somebody as he's, as he's going past you because it's not as obvious... Exactly, but yes. the intent—the intent is exactly the same that you yeah. want to stop him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think I think overall, um, if another defender had made the kind of clumsy challenge that that company did, then he would have been roundly criticised for it. Um, mm. It only seems after the fact as well, you know, that, that perhaps there's a there's a need for certain people to be contrarian. Um, you know, because, well, I don't know, maybe that's what they think sets them apart from uh, people who actually watch what happened and saw the truth of it. I don't know, but uh, to me that was just penalty all the way. But so important, though, I think the whole game hinges on that, really, because if you go with that kind of setup, you know, primarily defensive, look to protect the back four, if you then go behind... That's all out the window because mm. you've got to come out and chase the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was perfect for us that we went ahead. And the first goal in these big games, we, I was spoken about it before, I think, is so, so crucial. Um, so, yeah, a massive moment and a really good penalty as well. Keeper went the right way but still couldn't get there. Yeah, quality finish from Santi. And we'll touch on him now in, in a few moments' time. How How quickly did you relax into the game in the sense that in the first few minutes uh, as I wrote in the blog this morning I was a bit like oh uh, I'm not sure about this they've got loads of the ball and there were a couple of early passes that, that found their way through the, the the midfield channels to the front man and it did look as if we might get a little bit overexposed because Shelny came out and absolutely flattened one of the Fernands mm. uh, and picked up a yellow card in the third minute. And you're thinking, oh, Mike Dean, away from home. Yeah. This could be a bit of an ordeal. But it, it became apparent very quickly that the the team's uh, plan, uh, which, we, which we've touched on, 
um, was was very obvious in that they were going to let City have the ball in their own half. They weren't going to chase it. They weren't going to press high up the pitch, so there would be no space left in behind for the for the pace of Aguero. Um, and it wasn't long, in fairness, before uh, Sky and Gary Neville, in particular, was was waxing lyrical about the way that Arsenal had set up. I think so, and I think it's partly because everyone was so surprised, you know. But yeah. it, 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 I think it, you know that's not what people were expecting to see from us, and. I can't remember the last time an Arsenal team said, well, we're going to let the opposition have the ball in wide areas and we'll deal with the crosses. You know, that seems like something our opposition would normally say. But I think what's really interesting about it is that there's no sense among the Arsenal fans of discontent with the way we play. Everyone is just delighted to see this. There's no one going, it's a bit of a shame that we sacrificed our principles. Everyone's just so, (laughs) do you know what I mean? There's absolutely none of that. Um, You know, screw the philosophy, screw the identity. We got... We did what needed to be done. And I, I, like you, I was anxious in the first few minutes, probably of both halves. There were little spells where City just seemed a little bit more fluid, had a bit more momentum, but we, we rode those out. And I was surprisingly relaxed throughout the game, though how much that had to do with the fact I didn't have massively high expectations, it's difficult to say. That's a fair point. Yeah, that you know, it's, point. these big games have become freebies really do you know what I mean because we've had such a poor record that uh, my expectations going into them are always low but I, from from early on it became clear that something was a little bit different about this one and yeah the, the attitude of the players the organisation it was just a, a different different game different Arsenal yeah I mean there was a collective endeavour wasn't there about the way that obviously we set up the way that the, the manager set out his team the way that the team uh, carried out the instructions um, you know, City could have put us under a lot of pressure because they uh, they threw in 40-odd crosses. There were 16 corners. The defending and the organization and the discipline of that is not something we necessarily associate with Arsenal. You know, I think every time we concede a goal from a corner, people go, oh, we always concede from corners. And it's not necessarily true. We do have a bit of a weakness there from time to time, and, and that gets exposed. But, you know, I thought yesterday the way that the... the um, the way that the team concentrated and kept their shape and dealt with set pieces against a team that is dangerous from set pieces. You know, Dimichaelis scored against us at the Emirates. Company's good in the air. The two Fernands are, are, are tall guys. You know, the, the, the delivery of those corners, every single one of those corners was good. Mm. There wasn't one scuffed corner. There was, wasn't one arsenaled into the front post, uh, skidding along the ground. They were all put into the right area, more or less. And every, more or less every single time, we had a man there to head the ball away, to get it clear, to put a foot in. You know, it was it was an excellent defensive performance. Yeah, and very physical from Arsenal, unusually so. Mm. You know, when even, um, as you say, we'll come on to him, but when even a guy like Santi Cazorla is throwing his body in the way of stuff, you know, and, and diving into challenges... Uh, you know that there's kind of a collective resolve that we're not necessarily accustomed to seeing. Mm. Some some very good individual performances as well as the outstanding team performance. I thought Hector Bellerin, a right back, uh, really slotted in very well, didn't he? I thought Chambers might get the nod, but in in hindsight, I think uh, Bellerin was was the right choice because of, because of his pace. I thought Ben would go for Chambers as well, but Bellerin justified his selection. You know, you've got Gail Clichy on that 
flank and while he can't cross he can run and Hector Bellerin did very well to cope with that and he, he got a booking as well didn't he and I was a little bit worried about that but he, he managed that situation very well he's uh, that's uh, happened to him a couple of times now he's picked up a booking and I think one of the one of the things perhaps we're a little bit um, worried about Chambers in, in that regard is he picks up a lot of bookings or certainly did pick up a lot of bookings uh, and ended up getting sent off for one of them but Bellerin I remember one of the previous games got a yellow card and it was relatively early and you're mm. you're wondering can he cope with it but you know he looked he looked very very settled very confident um and considering he's only played nine times for the first team his progression is is very very quick and that's that's very promising also yeah it's interesting do you think it um do you think he looks a little bit better with Nacho Monreal in at left back rather than Kieran Gibbs you know we've always talked about Arsenal having one more attacking fullback mm. uh, and Monreal's maybe a little bit more conservative than Gibbs and it gives Bellerin a bit more license maybe. yeah I, I think Tim Stillman made that point on in one of his columns for the side I think it mm. yeah it might well do but I think Monreal regardless of his attacking intentions and you know let's not ignore the fact that Monreal got up the pitch to win the penalty yeah indeed um I think Monreal has been playing very very well in the last few weeks and I think he is now the first choice left back I think Kieran Gibbs has got to work hard to get his place back Mm. I think I would have Monreal over Gibbs I think I would at present as well there's a I mean interesting stat about Monreal which is that we've won uh, each of the last eight games in which he started keeping mm. six clean sheets along the way I'm a bit dubious about those kind of stats though because it, you know of course you don't know who else is in the team yeah. who else you're playing blah 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 but I think that he had an unfair reputation well not an unfair he had a more negative reputation last season didn't he he did, yeah, I and, think and were... this season too, because he was he was being played at centre half in a position that doesn't necessarily suit him. I thought he did his best, and some people are suggesting or have suggested that the the time at centre half has has improved him as a left back, perhaps uh, positionally more aware. Certainly seems uh, much more aggressive. Uh, I think as that's a it. Yeah. yeah. I also think that it's sort of it was great for him that he had such a good performance yesterday because maybe. I think this fixture last year was a particularly poor one for him. I, I seem to recall him having quite a difficult game at the mm. Etihad in the 6-3. So, yeah, he, he's passed this test with flying colours. He, he looked very strong, and I agree that at present, Kieran Gibbs is going to you know, face a fight to get back into the team. Francis Coquelin? I mean, we, we've, we've doubted him over the last few weeks on the, on this podcast simply because of the circumstances yeah. uh, of, of his arrival back in the team. But what he's done uh, is absolutely take this chance with both hands isn't it it's uh, it's brilliant to see and yesterday really was a big test it was a massive test for him as a, as a player perhaps um not just for his arsenal future but for his future career this was perhaps a defining game and he came through that test with absolutely flying colors i thought he was brilliant yeah he played extremely well extremely well i think that being uh, cautious about Heralding him as the, the you know the new linchpin in the Arsenal midfield is reasonable. Yeah, We're yeah, still yeah, only yeah, talking yeah. about half a dozen games, but when you talk about players getting a chance, this is exactly what you want to see from someone, isn't it? It's exactly the kind of response to this situation that you'd hope for. He's been thrown in because of a desperate situation, because of a situation where we lost Arteta to injury, uh, Flamini, even. Guys like Wilshire and Ramsey who might have been asked to play in that holding role. Abu Diaby probably would have been ahead in the pecking order. Mm. Uh, and he's seized upon it 
superbly. I mean, he's forced himself right into contention. It's very difficult to see him coming out, like Montreal, difficult to see him coming out of the team now. Yeah, do you think, I mean, he was he was aware that this is pretty much his last chance from Maybe. an Arsenal point of view? Because it was like extreme circumstances that brought him back from loan at Charlton. And he must have known that, right, well, this is this is my chance. I've got to take it. And he has been thoroughly committed and hard-working in, in pretty much every game he's played in. So I think maybe that, that there's an element of that to him as well. I don't know what they do at Charlton, but we need to send all the defensive midfielders we've got there. <laughs> you know, Alex Song went there, couldn't kick the ball straight. He came back and he was in the Arsenal team. Coughlin's had a very similar thing. I don't yeah. know what it is about that specific part of South London. Something in the air, maybe. Yeah, well, hopefully uh, hopefully Coughlin won't be patrolling around the place in knee-high runner boots and a chainmail suit and that kind of stuff. Then we can start to get worried. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully that doesn't come with the territory. Uh, before we move on to Cazorla, very quickly, Olivier Giroud, I thought, was was really, really good as well. Mm. And uh, I have a tweet here from Pablo Eagle, who, who says, Giroud has now scored away to Everton, home yeah. against Manchester United, away to Liverpool, and away to City this season. And he was a striker, rightly, I think, who was criticised for not being able to produce in big games against mm. the bigger opposition. That was maybe his, his biggest flaw. He's he's addressed that this season. He has. And if you look at Giroud's career, he has a tendency to improve at each club year on year. And I think there are indications that he's kicked on again at Arsenal. To score against that quality of opposition is a massive thing. The other thing I thought about Giroud was how much... You know, we go with a sort of effectively a counter-attacking setup, and you wouldn't necessarily think that someone with his lack of pace would be well suited to that. But when you have players who are quick alongside him, guys like Alexis, Oxlade Chamberlain, even Aaron Ramsey, who runs beyond him, he becomes invaluable because he's got an extraordinary ability to bring the ball under control in the most difficult circumstances. Defenders around him, the balls in the air, and his touch to be able to bring it down and and find a teammate. I don't think there's anyone better at that in the Premier League. Mm. So that's what makes him so useful. I thought he was good. And he was very physical as well. We know he's got natural power, but he doesn't always throw himself around as you'd like. But I thought he really did yesterday, and that was really encouraging. A couple of things I've noticed since he's come back from the from the broken leg. Mm. First one is that uh, he, he spends a lot less time on the ground doing the finger waggle and complaining at, at referees. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that's gone completely from his game, but he seems to be just more robust and more willing to get on with it, to take a hit, to get up again and get on with it. Uh, the other thing yesterday, I think it was the there was a, a chance, a shot from Aguero that Ospina had to make a save and push around the post, but I think Giroud tracked back all the way to the edge of our box. Um, and it was his slight touch that that brought the ball out of out of danger as it was heading towards goal. I think it was going wide anyway, despite Ospina getting a touch. But you know that defensive discipline um, was great to see because uh, when the whole team was putting in the effort, you got your main striker, your outlet, who was back doing a job there, and uh, in what proved to be a d- divisive or decisive moment rather. So yeah, uh, yeah I've been impressed. I, I don't know. You know, three months on the sidelines—it's a long time to think and analyse your game and I think he will have he, he's someone who likes to play every match isn't he he will have missed mm. being involved in competitive action and he, he does feel like he's come back with a point to prove and he's doing it so it's yeah it's fantastic to see right then Santi Gazorla. What I mean what can you say what a performance 
Yeah, magic. I mean, he is a bit like a magical little creature, isn't he? A little <laughs> hobbit on the football field. I mean, it is extraordinary what he was doing yesterday. I mean, it's, it's, it is related to his size because it gives him that incredible low centre of gravity. He's got this ambidextrous feet which allow him to turn in either direction. But I thought it was the perfect example of technical ability being used to aid the defensive effort. You don't have to be six foot. You don't have to be, you know, built like a brick shit house if you've got the ability to keep the ball and get away from people. And he provided us with so much relief in doing that. Mm. Um, aside from the goal and the assist, he's, he's been fantastic recent weeks, but this capped it all. Yeah, I thought he was just sensational. You know, that run where he picked it up at the edge of our box and was tripped and got up again and nutmegged somebody and cut inside somebody else and, and slightly overran the ball, but as the guy was clearing it, he just launched himself at it, you know, his little pigeon chest first. I mean, he's just such a wholehearted, brave player. And what was amazing, and I think Thierry Henry remarked on this afterwards, was that uh, he didn't look knackered at the end of the game he wasn't pumping sweat uh, maybe it was because it was a cold day but you know he came off after putting in that effort the amount of ground that he covered as well to give us a, a, a an offensive outlet at times just amazing yeah it is it is absolutely unbelievable and what's funny is that a lot of the time if you watch the sort of videos that come out from arsenal tv and things like that the players will joke about Cazorla being a little bit lazy to be honest they'll joke about him being you know when he retires he's going to be a fat guy on a beach with a cigar and things like that <laughs> you know he's clearly got a, a reputation he does, someone... he does have that physique you can exactly. see how he, he will morph into that guy but what's really interesting is that he's played I think maybe second only to Alexis Sanchez in terms of how much football he's played this season he and Mpermatsaka are sort of the, the next behind Alexis and Arsene Wenger spoke last week about it and I think what he said was that he has such a love for the game that it that it actually imbues him with stamina that he wouldn't might not necessarily possess in a mm. pure athletic sense. He loves having the ball at his feet. It energises him. And I thought you could see that yesterday. Mm. He was brilliant. I think that's probably his best performance uh, in an Arsenal shirt and it feels like one of those performances that he might come to be remembered by. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about it is is that he is known obviously as a, a creative midfield player a number 10 somebody who can do a job out wide as well but what he was yesterday was a box-to-box -box midfielder mm. like the archetypal box-to-box -box midfielder he was winning tackles at the edge of our box taking the ball clear running from uh, from our half into their half he was creating you know just an absolutely sensational performance and I think um, you know perhaps it's too easy to go over the top when a player plays well and say that was amazing, that was majestic and what have you. But, you know, just it was actually inspiring. You know, when uh, you were younger and the only thing on TV was, was Wimbledon and, and you just went out with a tennis racket and whacked him, he made you want to go out and just play a game of football after watching him yesterday. Yeah, although I couldn't do even half the things. <laughs> it would be a frustrating experience attempting to emulate him because he's got such incredible, incredible technique. Mm. But I think you're absolutely right. Like, if you took that clip of him dribbling his way through a half, slaloming between defenders and put it in slow motion with a sort of rousing orchestral soundtrack, you know, that was how it felt. He was kind of taking the fight to Manchester City and it was hugely heartening. I thought he was brilliant. And I agree that his position on the field was related to it. He's, he was deeper, as he was in the last game against Stoke. He was generally deeper than Rosicki for most of that match. 
and he's got a maturity about his game now where he seems comfortable there he's fully adapted to the Premier League he seems willing to you know get stuck in when required uh, and he's another guy who's been given an opportunity by injury and has seized it. Mm. So people might say that this is the kind of performance that would be inspirational, motivational, one that uh, through which we, we might say we've turned a corner. And I think it's a bit early to, to, to say that. But I think the big positive is that we finally got that away game against one of the big sides. That record is gone now. You know, mm. it, it, we should have beaten Liverpool regardless of how ludicrous that would have been on the day uh, based on our performance and their performance and the amount of chances we should have we should have had that game under our belts we've won against Manchester City confidence as we know is a very difficult thing for a team to build and our confidence has been little to non-existent at times this season do you think that this performance and this result will be something that will enable the team to 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 do better, I guess. I hope so. Because thinking about it, you know, who on that Arsenal team knew what it was to win away to a big side? Not that many players. Mm. You know, there must be players in that 11 who've never had that experience in an Arsenal shirt. And I do think that it will give them confidence going forward. I do think that as we've talked in the past about a psychological frailty, a sense that defeat in these matches is inevitable. We've probably been guilty of it ourselves as fans, you know, going into these games. And I think it will give everybody a lift. It it feels a little bit like it feels a little bit like the the win at Bayern, you know, a couple of years ago, albeit a very different performance. That that was a real smash and grab to an extent, whereas this one we absolutely deserved it. And the reason it feels similar is because it seems like we've found a template for success that we can hopefully reapply in these kinds of fixtures. Mm, I do remember some years back a performance against Chelsea at home mm-hmm. where we played a very high pressing game and won yeah, was it 3-0 or 3-0 or 3-1 I think they might have got a, okay. a consolation goal but at that time I remember I remember people saying this is the blueprint this is the way that Arsenal should play and we didn't necessarily play that way but have we found the the way to to deal with these games against big opposition? I mean, when Chelsea come to our place, is that the way that we should play against them? I don't know. I don't know about the difference between home and away. I think this definitely is the way to go away from home. Um, But it doesn't guarantee success. As I say, if you concede the first goal, you're in a bit of a sticky situation still. So much, I think, hinges on that. Whether or not we should adopt it at home, I, I don't know. I mean... I can't, to be honest, I can't see Arsene Wenger doing that. I think he'll still be inclined to go with his more, slightly more cavalier approach at home. Mm. What do you think? Probably, uh, but, you know, who knows? Who knows? That's a terrible answer to that question. <laughs> Look, I mean, we'll, we'll worry about it when it comes. Let's yeah. enjoy it for now. I think that's, I think that's a fair point. All right, what we're going to do is take a short break and we'll be back with your questions in part two right after this. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra. This is the part of the show where we answer your questions as sent to us on Twitter at GunnarBlog and at ArsBlog with the hashtag Arscast Extra. The first question is about Francis Coquelin. Um, JR, which is at JRBoy13, asks, Are you worried that yesterday's excellent performance will stop AW from buying a DM now or in the summer? And just to follow that up, uh, Dez, who's at Arsenal tonight, he says, Sign a new DM or give Coquelin a new contract because his contract expires in the summer. What do we do? Dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. Um, I don't know. Do you ever worry that we're just seeing what I like to call the Flamini effect with uh, Francis Cockland, where it's sort of that last year of his contract thing? Mm, well, I mean, yeah, but but it's different because he wasn't in the team. Right. You know, it, it could well be that he's playing himself into a, a very nice shop window because after what he's done the last few days or the few weeks, there'd be no shortage of uh, of teams who would take him on. Whereas yeah, good before, teams, good teams. yeah, good teams who would who would give him a contract. So it's a difficult one, isn't it, for Arsene Wenger? Yeah, it is. I mean, I uh, I think he's in a, a, a tricky position. I think I think he'll probably look to give Cochrane a good a, a new deal. So Flamini is Flamini's up this year or is yeah. it next year? Flamini's up this year. Flamini's Arte- up this year. Arteta's a bit of a mysterious one, isn't it? We think he's agreed one, but it's not been announced. Yeah. So he's going to need at least. A couple of midfielders, you know, to stay on next season. I think Cockland will be one, and and uh, you know he may well buy in the summer. I don't think he's going to buy anyone in January. No, in that position, he's no. he's bought the Polish kid, hasn't he? Christian Bielik, something yeah. like that, and he says that he'll be part of the first team squad. So, I think we can assume that's our midfield business done and dusted. Um, what's the question? <laughs> so, I mean, do are you worried that he won't sign a DM in the summer, or well, and should we should we give Coquelin a new contract? All right. Well, I was always worried he wouldn't sign a new DM, and in that context, the emergence of Coquelin is a great thing because, I, to be honest, I never really had any faith that Arsene Wenger would go out and buy a player with those attributes. The fact that we found one internally, as he might say. Is a big, big bonus. He did say that yesterday, actually, on Sky. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a big bonus, and that's how I'm looking at it. And, you know, I, I spoke last week about what I would have wanted for defensive field. One of the things I mentioned was a bit of high aerial ability. And actually, looking at the numbers, Cochrane won seven of eight headers yesterday in front of his own box. He seems to have a decent spring on him. He's willing to contest those things. He's doing everything you would hope for. So, yeah. Give him a new deal. I mean, the, what's the worst that can happen is that he 
falls out of contention at a later point and it means we can sell him for a reasonable fee if he's willing to sign a new deal I don't see why we wouldn't wouldn't hand him one. Mm. I think so. that's going to be the challenge for Arsene Wenger is to to convince him to sign a new deal because you know he he can't be unaware of of the way things have gone for him at Arsenal that he knows the circumstances uh, that brought him back to the club. It was it was a desperate time that we didn't we literally didn't have any midfield players mm. and that's why he's back. So I think the the challenge for Arsene Wenger is to convince him that after taking this chance that he will be given proper uh, proper chances in the first team I'd have no. No, you know based on the way he's played it's only been a few a few games so there is a tendency perhaps to to uh, to to say somebody's the the next great thing when we haven't really had a chance to see quite how how good they're going to be but I think based on the last few games and in particular based on the way he performed against a very good team yesterday I think it would be in our interest to sign him to a new deal because like you I'm not convinced that Arsene Wenger has it in mind to go out and buy the the Goldilocks DM that everybody wants no so, I think we've got something similar on our doorstep it seems so mm. let's let's go for it I think what's really interesting as well is I think there's kind of a broader point here about the nature of football and, and opportunity. You know, Cockland could very easily still be playing in the Championship with Charlton if that loan had been extended. Yeah. Instead, he finds himself gearing up for the knockout stage of the Champions League. And I, you wonder how many players' careers, you know, slip or, or get, move in different directions based on the opportunity they get or don't. Yeah. It's, it feels like such a fine line, doesn't it? Mm. Sometimes things work out your way. You know, you, you think of Ashley Cole... Um, possibly being sold on a on a permanent basis to Crystal Palace after his yeah. loan spell there, it all went wrong for Silvino. We needed a left back. We brought Cole back, and and there you go. And I think was it um who was it a, a couple of years back? Was it Redknapp at, at Tottenham was going to get rid of Gareth Bale? That's it. Yeah, he was. I think going to sell him to Birmingham. So there you go. I mean, circumstances dictated that Bale stayed, and and look look at where he is now. Mm. I don't think anybody would really have predicted that uh, based on the early days of, of his career. Wasn't there some crazy stat that he'd been in the team for 30-odd games and, and they'd never won? Something like that? Exactly. It was one of those Monreal stats. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, which is not really relevant to him and him alone. But, you know, based on that, people were, were would, would never have said that he'd be like a world star at, at Real Madrid. So who knows? Um, sometimes sometimes things fall into your lap a little bit and when you've got the chance take it and maybe Coquelin is doing just that and he could be the linchpin of the team for years to come but you just never know would you venture a prediction if I said to you start you know opening day next season Arsenal lining up is Francis Coquelin the holding midfielder in that team I would say no I don't quite know why but I guess I, there's a lot of intangibles. There's a lot of things like a. Will he sign a new deal? B. Yeah. Will we buy someone else? You know. Yeah. I. I just. I don't know. I. It's hard to. It's hard to make any judgment on the situation because there are so many things that could go one way or the other in terms of his contract, in terms of what we do in the transfer market. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't mind if he was. If he was there, it would be because he's there on merit, as he's in the team on merit now. So if he was, then great. But I can't say with any assurance at this point. I think the thing is that in the short term, you know, we've got the squad we've got until the end of the season. Yes, Arsene Wenger could go out and buy a holding midfielder, but it's pretty clear he's not going to do that. So 
with that in mind, the fact that Cookland is putting in these performances and has effectively come from nowhere is a great thing. And, it is, and it I, is one of the good stories of the season so far, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we talk about you've got to get the chance, but you've got to take it too. Yeah. And he's, he's definitely done that. All right, let's have another question. Let's have another question. Um, bah, bah, bah. Okay, this is from East Lower, and he asks, why haven't we done this more often? Um, I, I don't fucking know. I don't know. <laughs> Seriously, I, I don't. I'm, maybe it's because the manager is very wedded to his principles and the way that he wants his team to play, and he has this belief that this is the way that that he can go and win games, that he has this confidence and faith in his players that even if we go a bit hell for leather against, um, against a big team, that we have the quality to hurt them hmm. rather than the... The, the qualities of self-destruction that we've shown. So I don't know, maybe it was just, it's been one game too far because even if you go back a couple of weeks to the game against Liverpool that we should have won, but could easily have got hammered in, maybe that was one where he said, right, uh, we really do have to reconsider our approach because if we allow Manchester City 27 shots on goal or whatever it is, chances are we're going to get we're going to get done. So whether it's a, a matter of expedience, whether it was just the weight of all these games, I mean, I don't know if you could say necessarily that Arsenal's setup yesterday was to ensure that they won the game, probably more to make sure that we didn't lose it. Um, but but again, with some faith in the, in the quality we had going forward to be able to, to hurt Manchester City. So I don't know why we haven't seen it before. And whether we'll ever see it again, who knows? Maybe it was just like a blindingly glorious day, 90 <laughs> minutes of, of joy and rapture and, and the, the feel-good factor that we have. And next time we'll play 3-6-1 and stuff like that. I, I don't know. <laughs> There's no good reason I can think of why we haven't been a bit more circumspect other than you, the manager's own stubbornness. Do you think uh, that this, what we saw yesterday was what we were trying to do at Stamford Bridge? Yeah. Yeah, to an extent, yeah. Because I think, again, we had Cazorla... What? Wow, there's a big motorbike this week. Yeah, yeah, it's all kicking off. Um, yeah, I think it probably was, to be honest. I think it was as well. I mean, and it, you know, because that was a, a better performance in a big game. Although yeah. we were beaten, we seemed more solid than we had done previously. We yeah. didn't concede six goals. That was that was that was amazing. that was good. Yeah, yeah, that was um, progress. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kieran Duggan. Just sort of while we're on that, at C Duggan Six asks: uh, There's a huge North London derby in three weeks. Do you think Arsene Wenger will adopt the same tactics? I don't know because I don't know if he considers Spurs to be that kind of elite opposition you know yeah that's a good point because they I don't are know. they're cons <laughs> well by all accounts they've not been great this season I must confess I haven't seen loads of them I mean I know they've you know got similar points tally but I think like us they've struggled for fluency and uh, you know they've got a new manager and it's taking them some time mm. I, I don't know if this that's the sort of game in which Wenger will adapt you know his, his tactics too much. I think that's the one he'll go and look to win in his more conventional style. I think it's more going to be reserved for the Cities, the Uniteds, the Chelseas, perhaps the Liverpools too. I think that's when we might see this this new approach. I think we did see the genesis of it at Stamford Bridge. I think that there were signs there that Arsene Wenger had recognised that he might need a different approach to to these games. The problem was that we made 
individual areas at the back mm. and we conceded the first goal and yeah. it's just very very hard to come back from that all right then here's a question and it's one that many people have uh, posed this morning um at Arsenal's Voice asks, where does Mesut Ozil play now? Santi Middle, Sanchez left, and Chambo right is working too well to change. And, of course, Theo Walcott uh, is a candidate for the right-hand side. So how do you get Mesut Ozil back in this team? I don't think you do at the present, to be honest. Um, I think for all this quality, I think the guys in possession of the shirt don't warrant being dropped I think that there'll be opportunities to rotate when the fixtures come a bit thicker and faster and we've got Champions League games and FA Cup games to contend with but at present in the Premier League I can't see a reason to take you know any one of those players out I think it's going to be he might have to bide his time a little bit to come back into the side mm. I can't I certainly can't see the sense in moving Santi Cazorla I had suggested I thought he might move to the left and as he'll come into the centre I think after yesterday that just seemed, you know, if it ain't broke, why, why would you tinker with it? You might have to wait. What, what do you reckon? I think that's, I think that's absolutely right. That he's going to have to wait for a chance, and when he gets the chance, he's going to have to take it. You know, because um, Orla has been brilliant. Maybe there's, you know, I think the, the weekend we'll see Mesut Ozil in the team because it's the FA Cup game, mm-hmm. uh, and he, he'll he needs to to start playing now. But I think it's a, I think it's an absolutely amazing problem to have. Where do you fit Mesut Ozil into your team? Mm. I think that says a lot about the the quality that we've got in in that area of the pitch. Um, ideally, he plays central because Orla is playing there right at this moment in time. Um, I mean, there might well be some some scope to play both of them if. For example, you don't have a Ramsey or a Wilshire. If you're playing Coquelin, you could play Cazorla with, with Mesut Ozil in there also. Maybe it's maybe it will be a little bit lightweight, but, you know, it's not impossible to do that too. So um, th- that would be one way of doing it, but it, it really depends. I think you need somebody like Ramsey in there, you know, who's, who's best suited to that that uh, position in the centre of midfield but yeah it's a great problem I don't know the answer either but I think he is going to have to just wait and if he gets his chance he's going to have to take it and if he does that then he, he gives the manager something to really think about I mean look if he really needs game time we could always send him on loan to Charlton for a month that's true yeah, yeah that'll yeah. sort him out yeah he'll be brilliant no then when he comes back exactly yeah um, should we have another one yeah Okay. Um, okay. Well, this is a question, quite a specific one, but it might lead to a broader discussion about the the gulping, goalkeeping situation. The gulping situation. The gulping situation. Yes. The problem. All the drinking issues we're yeah, having. Yeah. Um, this is from Toby Westcott White, which is Toby W underscore W, and he says, "Would Brighton be a good time to give Martinez a run out, or do you stick Chesney back in?" Stick Chesney back in. Mm-hmm. I think you do. Um, I don't think Ospina's done anything to warrant losing his place. I know we had. You, this... What did you make of Ospina uh, at, at the Etihad? I thought he was. I thought he was pretty good, to be honest. He looks like. Uh, he looks very calm. Super calm. Looks really like stoned off his bracket calm. <laughs> yeah. Like standing there going, "Oh yeah, okay, there's a football game on. Yeah, this is good. Oh, oh save. Well, oh, kick." Um, he, he 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 strikes me as somebody who's a bit more like Fabianski in that he stays on his line more. He's not quite as um, dominant as Chesney is when Chesney does it well, 
and when he comes a long way to collect crosses and and uh, and corners and things like that. But I thought he was very assured. He's obviously g- communicates pretty well with his um, uh, with his defenders. Um, what little he had to do yesterday, he did well. So I think you know, as long as he does that, he's he's going to stay in the team. But I think if we want to create that competitive environment, not just for Chesney, we've said that Chesney is is a player who needs that competition for his place, right? But maybe yeah. Ospina needs that too. So if Chesney comes in and plays very well against Brighton, it keeps Ospina on his toes for the next game against uh, Villa. I think it is. So um, I I would play I would play Chesney. Maybe Chesney is going to be the cup keeper. That's his role for this season. We'll have to we'll have to wait and see. But again, if it if it provides a healthy environment for the goalkeepers to to work in, then I'm all for it. So, do you think Chesney will come back in for the Premier League game against Aston Villa, or do you think Ospina will keep his place? I think Ospina will keep his place. I think he will as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, which I didn't initially think. I have to say, he gave me a couple of heart and mouth moments yesterday. I wasn't entirely convinced by him on a couple of corners. But, there was uh, one punch, wasn't there, which was a bit yeah. not, not great, but... I don't have a problem with punching per se. Like, I think, you know, if you get clearance on it, I think it's it's fine. I don't think you have to catch. But, um, but you know, as you say, 16 corners or something like that, and we didn't concede, so... Mm. Can't be quite... Can't be the, a disaster zone by any stretch. And the, the, the back four seem very calm mm. with him there it doesn't seem to trouble them that he's between the sticks that's yeah, for sure. yeah 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 interesting um story today about uh gabriel paulista from Villarreal, who is yes. apparently in uh, his agent is talking to arsenal i mean i don't know an awful lot about him other than Villarreal's defense has been excellent in the in the last few months um he's been a big part of that but he's 24 brazilian never played for the for the national side and doesn't have an eu passport so i'm struggling to see how we would get a work permit if we were yeah. genuinely interested no i mean i I, uh, I understand that we are at least interested to this point of an inquiry but um I've, I really have, can't, don't know too much about the player, to be honest with you. Mm. And I, I don't know if he's, he's got no EU passport, has he not? So that would be a no. struggle. Yeah, definitely. You'd have to Might go on the... Uh, ourselves there. Yeah, the uh, the outstanding talent thing, but... Or we could do the Soinho thing. We could. We could just make him a passport. Just, you know, get Dick Law to draw one yeah. or something. That's the way we did it with Silvino. Allegedly. We got some <laughs> sticky back plastic, a couple of uh, a laminating machine. Yeah. And we, uh, yeah, we did it. Um, it does seem a centre-back's very much on the agenda, and by all accounts, he's he's had a good season, this guy. Um, although, it, it, I don't know if you saw Arsene Wenger in his press conference. I think Sam Wallace of The Independent asked him, are you still looking for a centre-back? He said, yes, if you, if you have any ideas... Do text the club, <laughs> so I don't think anything's particularly imminent. No, I don't think so. But I don't think it needs to be necessarily for for Brighton. Um, no. But uh, I think you know, obviously, before the end of the window. But I'm sure we'll touch on that in the uh, in the uh, Arscast extras to come. Quick one from Gunnar underscore Rafa. The way Bellerin is playing, do you think Jenkinson has a place slash will come back from West Ham? I think Jenkinson's playing really well at West Ham. Every time I see him. I'm impressed. Um, I think the defensive side of his game, he's switched on a bit more there. And he's always been a great crosser of the ball, and they're making the most of that because they've got uh, Andy Carroll, Kevin Nolan, they've got real aerial power. I think he'll be sold, though, in the summer. I think with Debushi, Chambers, Bellerin, there's you know a number of options at right back already. If Francis Cochrane gets a new contract, if pushed, he can play there. 
So I, I can't see a way back for Jenkinson. And I do think it's a shame because I think we all got a lot of affection for him. We like seeing an Arsenal fan on the field. But he spoke recently about how he's realised how much happier he is when he's playing regular football. And if I'm entirely honest with you, I'm not sure he'll want to come back and be a sub. I think that's a fair point. I think that's a fair point. I think he must look at the situation as well and know that there's a, a bit of a right-back surplus at Arsenal. I mean, it's one thing to come back and compete with one player. Yeah. But now, like you say, he's competing with uh, Debussy, assuming he ever gets fit. Uh, Bellerin, who's shown real promise. Chambers, who can play there. Uh, yeah, I, I think that he'll probably go in the summer. And I think that was always the intention anyway, to be honest. Yeah, I do as well. Because, you you know, you wouldn't buy... I think when you when even though Chambers may end up as a centre half, I think that when we made that signing, the writing was on the wall for Jenkinson yeah. somewhat. All right, have, uh, you, have you got one more? Yeah. Okay, this is a good one. Oh. This is <laughs> again you're concerned early on. This is from Vic, and he's Vic with a C underscore AFC, and he asks the, the missing words at the start are: Would you rather have? So, would you rather have no neck? David Ospina style so no neck Giroud's face but the body of an ostrich <laughs> or Charlie Adams face a giraffe neck <laughs> and the body of Alexis there is no conceivable circumstance or situation yeah. where I could live with Charlie Adams face Sure. I mean, it's hard enough having to live with it just being on Charlie Adam. Yeah, it's disgusting. I just... no. It's I mean, at least if it was your own face, you would never really have to look at it. If you smashed all mirrors, mm. you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, it's too much to bear. You couldn't do that. Yeah, so you don't, yeah. And the so problem you're going is for Giroud's face. I'm going for a Giroud's face, and I've got the body of an ostrich. And no yeah. neck, is that it? You've got no neck, so it's like it's like an ostrich without the long neck of an ostrich. So it's like a little compact version. Wow. Um, with Olivier Giroud's head on it. Look, it's not ideal by any stretch of the imagination. Not ideal, but it's better than having Charlie Adams' face. So I, I would go with that. You'd be able yeah. to run really, really fast. Yeah, I mean... Because ostriches are, are fast. They're fast. They've still got a powerful kick as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know what other skills they've got. Mainly running, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, burying their heads in sand and stuff like that. I also I think it. if you had the Giroud's face, you'd be handsome enough that I think people probably wouldn't notice the whole ostrich thing. I think that's fair enough. I think that's a good point. He might yeah. well have the body of an ostrich. I just haven't even noticed because I'm so drawn to his Gallic gaze. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's my choice. I mean, if you had to, I mean, I presume you wouldn't want Charlie Adams' face either despite the, the awesome body of Alexis. No, I mean, that would be like a nightmare, wouldn't it? Like a, a sequel to Face Off where you wake up and they've switched your face with Charlie Adam. Yeah. Oh, that disgusting. Is, yeah, that is truly terrifying prospect. Oh. Um, the body of Alexis does sound appealing, but why it's got a giraffe's neck on it, I do not know. Yeah, that kind of ruins it for me. You know, maybe it's so you'd, you, Charlie Adam's face would be out of the way. People oh, would just be walking be along going, yeah. wow, look at the body on that guy. And then they'd have to look up really, really high to, to see the... Ah, Charlie Adams' face! <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> All right, here's one final one for me very quickly. It comes from Jamie at Miles of Isles. And he wants to know, would you rather be able to run at 100 miles per hour 
or fly at 10 miles per hour? Oh, great question. I'd want to fly. I used to think I could fly. You believed you could fly? Yeah. Did you also believe that you could touch the sky? I really did, yeah. I thought about it every night and day. But I, um, I did, when I was about four, I used to jump off things and I believed that I was levitating briefly. Very, um, very briefly. Very briefly, very briefly. How uh, high were these things that you jumped? Not, not too high, obviously, because you're here. I'm alive. Uh, increasingly, you know, up to a height of about, I don't know, five, six foot. But when I was about two foot, you know, that was quite high. And I, I was absolutely convinced, um, despite the evidence to the contrary, whereby I kept falling to the ground. Did it, was there no parental guidance here? Was there no, you know, James, we don't want to stifle your creative outlet? No, they were anything. encouraging me. They are encouraging me. Go on, get higher, higher. Um. <laughs> Shall we take you to New York? There's yeah. some very good, very good precipices and ledges there for you to. Yeah, to I was very, I was very annoying child. They, they, they liked this hobby of mine. Mm. But um, no, I, I, yeah, I would love that. I'd love that to be able to fly, however slowly it might be. I still think it's, it's be more scenic. And I live in London, and if you ran at 100 miles per hour anywhere in London, you'd bump into an unfathomable amount of people. Mm. It's, it's not worthwhile. Although, yeah. you know, I don't know, there would be advantages. What about you? Oh, definitely flying, because I, I hate running. Yeah, it's not fun, is it? I really hate running. And, you know, even running fast, it's not like uh, you wouldn't have to put effort into it. You'd have to obviously really put some effort into to running at 100 miles an hour. You'd have to sprint. And how long can you sprint for? You know, a few seconds, really? 20 seconds, 30 seconds? Yeah. That's the maximum you could go at, at 100 miles an hour. Whereas if you were flying, you could just like swoop around at 10 miles an hour, check out the countryside, you know, fly over things and perhaps leave them a little present from on high. You could think <laughs> of certain football stadiums or Portuguese managers' houses that you could you could decorate yeah. with your guano. <laughs> so that would be my choice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Why okay. not? Well, right. it, in many ways, it feels like we're flying, doesn't it? It does. Yesterday. It does indeed. All right. On that soaring note. There we go. We should leave it there, and uh, we'll talk to you on the Arscast on Friday and on next week's Arscast Extra. Bye-bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.